you know, one of the advantages of worshiping from home is you can have your coffee whenever you want. It makes things a little more comfortable. So we're back here at the story of Queen Esther. Uh, and I want to back up and recall how we got to this place. So the story begins with Haman being elevated and thinking extremely highly of himself and becoming insulted because of Mordecai. Mordecai, this Jew who refused, for whatever reason, refused to bow down in Haman's presence. And uh, so Mordecai uh, refuses to bow in the presence of Haman, and Haman becomes so enraged that the only thing he can think of is his hate. He isn't deterred by the fact that he is the king's right-hand man. He isn't deterred by the fact that everybody else bows to him and follows his every word. He isn't deterred by the fact that he has wealth and power and authority. No, because this one person continues to disagree with him, refuses to bow down before him, Haman is consumed by hatred and orders the death of Mordecai on this 75-foot stake. I'm telling you, friends, the Bible is not G-rated, right? Think about this, a 75-foot tall pole on which they were going to impale Haman. It's not a pretty picture. Not satisfied with that. Haman orders for all of the Jews, all of Haman's relatives, everyone who looks and sounds, or everyone who looks and sounds like Mordecai, to be persecuted, to be punished, to be treated brutally. Unbeknownst to him, Mordecai has done this great thing for the king. And so Haman has to give honor to Mordecai. He does. And he goes to a banquet with the queen. And again, he's so full of himself that he sees this great honor. Not knowing that the queen is related to Mordecai. Mordecai, who had left the queen with this one question, perhaps it is for such a time as this this, that you have been placed where you are. The queen, recognizing that the king is pleased with her and that she has some influence, despite being one of the Jews that are under condemnation by Haman's order, the queen asks for her life that the king would spare her, that she is one of those people, one of those people who looks and sounds like Mordecai, one of those people that comes from the same place as Mordecai. And here the whole thing turns on its head. And the destruction that was planned for Mordecai and the Jews happens to Haman and his plotters. And we have this scene of violence where the Jews are armed to stand up for themselves. The book of 
Esther ends with this riot. What happens in chap the following chapters 9 and 10 is everything that's described in the orders that Esther and Mordecai just gave. The Jews defend themselves, they riot against their persecutors and defend themselves even unto death. So, stick a finger there on that violence in Scripture. We'll come back to it. As we pause for just a moment to remember that this is Fourth of July weekend, and if you weren't reminded of it last night, I certainly was as the fireworks were going till 1 a.m. in my neighborhood, uh, and it sounded as if the Revolutionary War was happening right outside my window. I'm sure that wasn't the case for you all, but it definitely was for me. And uh, one of the things I think that we forget sometimes is that 1776 was a riot. 1776 began with violence and persecution by the British army on, on their, their subjects, and the subjects began to fight back in the only way that they could against an army, by throwing rocks at the soldiers in the street. That's the start of the Revolutionary War. A protest against unjust laws that turned into a riot turned into a war, led by an army that could never win, an army that wasn't really so much an army as a group of people who happened to believe in a cause, a protester and riot. Happy Independence Day, because that's really what it was. The Declaration of Independence said we could no longer stand for these unjust laws. We can no longer stand to be persecuted and abused by this nation and army that is stronger than we will ever be. And we demand a voice. So back to Esther. Violence happens again and again and again in the Bible. Again, the Bible is not G-rated. There's lots of violence. But more often than not, the violence we encounter in the Bible is those who have been persecuted and oppressed standing up for themselves. Those who have been persecuted and oppressed put down and kept down by injustice and unjust law, rising up to defend themselves. And that's exactly what happens in the book of Esther today. In the book of Esther, you have a group of people, a minority in their nation, the Jews, who look different and sound different and live different. And Haman, in his rage, declares that they all ought to be under his thumb, persecuted and prosecuted. And through the circumstances of Mordecai and Queen Esther, two people who were not afraid to raise their voice on behalf of their loved ones, 
to raise their voice on behalf of those who had their no voice, to raise their voice and do something and say something about particular people who were in need of God's great love. And they did. The word God, God's name, is not mentioned in the book of Esther. We're invited instead to ask, how is God acting behind the scenes in this world? How is God acting behind the scenes in this great story of reversal where the Jewish people at this great nadir, right? So they, they, they begin living in Persia and they're after law, after law, after law passed by Haman and declaration after declaration. They are under threat of death at any moment. Rise again. And Haman, who rose throughout to be the king's right-hand man, is brought back low again. Those who wanted to persecute the Jewish people wind up punished themselves. And those who were oppressed wind up with the victory at the end. Where is God? God is in those who speak. Perhaps it is for just such a time as this, says Mordecai, that you have been placed where you are today. And the book ends, the very closing verses, uh, very closing verses, that the Jews admired Mordecai, and not only that, Mordecai always wanted to do good things for his Jewish people, and to speak up whenever they needed help. Where is God? In that voice. Speaking up for those who need help. Speaking up for those who can't speak for themselves. As I see it, the, the, the actions of Independence Day are an action of speaking up for those who otherwise have no voice. And the story in Scripture again and again is the action of speaking up for those who have no voice. So the question for us is how will we today speak up for those who have no voice? How will we speak out and act on behalf of those who cannot act for themselves, on behalf of those who in our culture and society, in this great nation of freedom, on behalf of those who feel persecuted and oppressed. How will we be Mordecai and Esther in our world today? How will we use the position in which God has placed us for the benefit of others? You have been called, my friends. Each and every one of you has been called by God. About that, I have no doubt. And each and every one of you has been placed where you are. Your career, your family, your neighborhood, 
your position and station in life. You have been placed where you are so that you can do good where you are. You have been placed where you are so that you can speak out where you are. You have been placed where you are so that you can show and share God's love where you are. Esther is a powerful story for our time. If you haven't read it all the way through yet, I would invite you to do so. Watch the great reversal that happens as Haman and Mordecai trade places. As the Jewish people and Haman's cohort change places. And as Esther stands in the middle of it all, the lever on which it all hinges, the power of her love and her voice. Be an Esther. Be a Mordecai. Speak and act for those who need it most in our world today. That's our call.